young people, the, the, our generation and our children's generation, this is how we're getting our information. It's online. It's not through TV. It's not through these things. We have to live on social media platforms. We have to figure out new ways to reach and connect with the younger generations. is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I am honored to have on the floor here at NRB, Johnny Daniels. Johnny, how are you doing today? I'm doing just wonderful. Thank you so much for hosting me here today. What a wonderful day. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show. Uh, listeners may not know, this actually came together very last minute. It was like half an hour ago that I was like, hey, you have a great story. Let's get you on the show. So, Well, you know, this is the way that things always tend to work in a place like this. When you've come to, to a location like this where... Uh, we're, we're surrounded by by people with the with the grace of God running through them. It's just so wonderful to have these connections bringing us together, and and the story that we're going to share with you on this podcast today is a story that not a lot of your listeners would have known about or even heard about. And so I'm very excited to be here and to share this story with you. Yeah, for those who may not be familiar with your work, you are the founder and executive director of From the Depths, which is the only organization dealing with the Holocaust run by millennials. So can you talk a little bit about your organization? What led you to want to start this organization? So, you know, I'd, gr- I'd grown up in London, England, as you can probably tell from my uh, interesting yeah, from your, accent. from your lovely accent. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, it's, it's definitely not Southern, that's for <laughs> sure. And at the age of 18, I packed my bags and I moved to Israel and I served for three years in the IDF. I was a staff sergeant in the paratroopers. And I finished my army service and I started to work in politics. I was the senior advisor to Israel's current ambassador to the United Nations, Ambassador Danny Danon. I worked afterwards with Prime Minister Netanyahu and a slew of other Israeli politicians. Um, however, one thing was always sort of leaning over me, and that was the story of my great-grandfather. My great-grandfather was born in a small city in northern Poland. He was the only person in his family to survive the terrors and the horrors of the Holocaust. His entire family were murdered. And I'd grown up hearing these stories and surrounded growing up by Holocaust survivors. For me, in high school, seeing people come in and speaking to us with the numbers on their arm was uh, something that I was used to, was something that I really took for a given, something that, 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 that all of us were surrounded by these people. And suddenly I saw more and more and more of these people passing away. My eldest daughter was named after my ex-wife's grandmother, who was a survivor of Auschwitz-Birkenau, who sadly passed away just before my eldest daughter was born. And I realized that my children wouldn't have the same opportunity that I had to learn from these survivors, to hear the stories of these people firsthand. And I looked around and I saw these great big institutions, but they're great and they're big And most importantly, they're institutions. Mm -hmm. They're not moving. They're not active. They're nowhere to be found on social media. You know, we're here on a podcast. Right, exactly. Right, you know, and and this is awesome because, you know, a lot of people, and we see this really, we see this here. And I'm telling a lot of my friends here in Christian media, if you can't say it in 140 characters, you've got nothing to say. Young people, our generation... And our children's generation, uh, this is how we're getting our information. It's online. It's not through TV. It's not through these things. We have to live on social media platforms. We have to figure out new ways to reach and connect with the younger generations. And so really, we wanted to look at this whole issue 
of Holocaust Memory Memorial and see how we can take such a difficult and dark and, and horrendous time for the Jewish people and for humanity and make this something that we can connect our children to. Our generation has an absolute responsibility to stand as the witnesses of the witnesses. We have to stand and tell their story. Because what happened will and already is happening again. You know, two years ago, I gave a, an interview on a big radio station here in the United States. I won't say which because I don't want to plug them. <laughs> I gave a very big interview. It's actually Facebook that reminded me that. I gave this interview exactly two years ago yesterday. In there, I spoke about the desecration of Jewish cemeteries in Eastern Europe and how terrible it was that these cemeteries, these tombstones were being taken and repurposed and cemeteries were being broken and destroyed and everything bad was happening. And I said, and if we're not careful, the same will come to the shores of the United States. And the guy said to me, Johnny, forget about it. Don't be silly. This is America. Things like that don't happen here. Just watch the news. Just this last week, two Jewish cemeteries in entirely different geographical areas were vandalized, were destroyed, and we don't abide them. History is and will repeat itself if we don't stand up and fight against it. So what are some of the ways that you encourage this generation to remember the Holocaust so that future generations will keep that memory? You know, when we're dealing with an issue like the Holocaust, you're dealing with absolute numbers, right? I mean, even the thought of six million Jews, six million, none of us can fathom that many people. None of us will have ever seen that many people in one place in our lifetimes. It's an unimaginable number and a number that's so big that you sort of don't believe it. Yeah. So what we have to do is personalize the stories. We have to remember each of the Holocaust victims and survivors by who they were and the story they had to tell and the life that they lived. And for us, you know, again, you're dealing with such a deep, dark and heavy and scary issue. A lot of people will hear Holocaust and simply turn off. When I started, everyone said, Johnny, what are you doing? Don't you know there's Holocaust fatigue? I said, what do you mean? Said, Everybody's hearing Holocaust, Holocaust, Holocaust. No one wants to talk about it anymore. And I said, well, that's also clearly wrong. And so our focus, more than any other, we're focusing on the issue of the righteous amongst the nations. We're focusing on these brave, God-fearing Christians who stood, stared the devil in the face, and save their Jewish neighbor. Now in a place like Poland, the punishment for saving a Jew was death. Not just for yourself, but for your entire family. And so far we found over a thousand examples where exactly this happened. We found a Polish family. In fact, there's a British member of parliament who are actually gonna be honoring in a few months time in a ceremony in Warsaw, who came to me about a month ago in London and broke down in front of me. And he told me, Johnny, I have to tell you something. My grandfather was Polish. His brother had taken and hidden two Jewish families in his home. One of the neighbors ratted them out. The SS, the Gestapo, the Nazi police came. They murdered the two Jewish families. They then grabbed his wife, slaughtered her. His daughter murdered her, made him watch, and then turned around and murdered him. This happened 70 years ago. And you understand the risk that somebody must have taken to even attempt to save 
a fellow human being was immense. I, as a father of two young girls, can put my hand on my heart and tell you that I would not risk my children's lives for anybody. I wouldn't. I couldn't. But these people did. In Poland alone, you had six and a half thousand registered righteous amongst the nations. Do you know how many are left living today? How many? 200. That's it. Slowly, the stories are fading into time. These stories have not been recorded. Their stories have not been fully documented. They've not been videoed. They've not been researched. We are losing the stories of these heroes into time. And what we're doing is we're working on every single avenue possible to keep these people's stories alive. And we're incredibly happy that in uh, just a couple of weeks time, there's gonna be a premiere here in the United States of a movie called The Zookeeper's Wife. The Zookeeper's Wife is based on the story of Warsaw Zoo. Now again, I'm not sure that a lot of your listeners would have heard this story. So I'll briefly tell you what happens. Yeah. So I was first invited to Warsaw Zoo three years ago. The director of the zoo called me up and said, Johnny, we'd like you to come to the zoo. Um, there's something going on here. A pretty weird, random phone call. There's something going on in the zoo. Okay, whatever, right? You know, I, I love this stuff. So I thought, great, what, 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 what's he going to want from me in Warsaw Zoo? So I turn up to the zoo, and what we find is that they're doing refurbishments. And in the entrance to Warsaw Zoo, they dug up the paving stones, the paving slabs that had been used to rebuild the zoo after the war. And they discovered that all of the slabs were built using Jewish gravestones, Jewish headstones, stolen from the Jewish cemetery. Warsaw Zoo rebuilt after the Holocaust using headstones of Jews murdered beforehand or killed or died or whatever beforehand. The most horrendous, terrible, upsetting sight. And we were there and in this difficult, horrible situation, he said, you know what, Johnny, if you're here, come to the villa of the wartime director. We've just refurbished it a little. So I went to the villa and he decides to show me his collection of bugs and animals and all of these different things. After two hours, I was desperate to leave. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of bugs. <laughs> you know, I don't need to see collections of millions. And he's, he sees me looking at my watch and he says, you know what, before you go, let me take you down to the basement and show you just something quickly down there. I go down to the basement of Warsaw Zoo, to the villa of the director. And he says, Johnny, you see that corner? This is where the zookeeper, Jan Zabinski, hid three Jewish children in the Holocaust. And I said, excuse me? I didn't know. He said, what, you don't know the story? I said, no, I've never heard it before. So he proceeded to tell me that at the beginning of the war, as we know, the Germans entered Poland and they bombed the, you know, Warsaw terribly. There were bombs falling right, left and center. And these bombs also hit Warsaw Zoo, smashing the entrance to the zoo, a lot of animal enclosures, famous stories of lions chasing down people, people down the street and giraffes looking through people's windows. Well-known, famous stories from Warsaw Zoo. And when the, uh, the Nazis entered a few weeks later, they came to the director of the zoo and they said, you've got one job. Your job is to feed and to grow pigs, to be big and fat so we have what to eat. He said, okay, how do I feed them? He said, don't worry, go to the zoo. Go from the zoo to the Warsaw Ghetto. This is the ghetto where 400,000 Jews are rounded up in a tiny area and starving to death, dying of malnutrition, of illness, of disease. There are people lying dead on the streets and he's telling the, the zoo director, go to the ghetto and take whatever food you can from the Jews. And the zoo director, an honest, decent Christian says, well, in his heart, I can't do this, but he has no choice. Mm -hmm. So he goes with his horse and cart into Warsaw Zoo, ghetto, 
and he realizes straight away that he's not taking any food. He starts taking the waste, and it stinks. It smelled so bad that the Nazis left him be, and they just walked away. And so whilst that was happening, he quickly took two Jewish children. He hid them amongst the waste and drove out of Warsaw Ghetto and went to the zoo and hid them in the zoo. I said, oh my goodness, what an incredible story. What absolute heroism. And he said, Johnny didn't finish that. He carried on for three years. By the end of the war, 300 Jews were hiding in Warsaw Zoo. And the most remarkable collective effort of the zoo director, his wife, and his children in saving the lives of 300 of their Jewish brothers and sisters, keeping them alive. And we are so remarkably happy that Focus Features, a big Hollywood production company, grabbed this, uh, the book that was written about it and, and turned this into a massive screenplay with Jessica Chastain and all these great Hollywood actors. And in just a few weeks, it's coming out. I'm going back from here uh, later this weekend to Warsaw, where we have a screening of the movie on March 7th. And, and these are the kind of stories that need to be told. And the importance of telling the stories of the righteous is because now it's our turn. You know, one of the most amazing things for me, I'm sitting here as a proud Jew, a proud Jew who served in the Israeli Defense Forces. And I can tell you with my hand on my heart that the Holocaust, we say never again. It's not about us because it will not happen to us again. It can't. We have a Jewish state. We have a Jewish army. We have the best army in the world. And we are defending ourselves and we will defend ourselves. The Holocaust will not and cannot happen to us again. But it's happening to you. Mm. It's happening to Christians in Syria. It's happening to Christians all around the world. And where are we? Where are the righteous from our generations? Where are we standing and fighting for our Christians and brothers and sisters? Pumping money into the United Nations. Yeah to put more resolutions against Israel. Where people are being massacred all around the world. Our generation need to learn from the righteous amongst the nations. We need to become righteous. We need to stand up. And you know what's easier? No one's hunting us down. Mm-hmm. But we have a voice. You've got your voice on your podcast. Your listeners have their voice amongst their friends and their families with their congressmen and senators. At last, we got a president who hears our voice here in the United States. How amazing, a president who actually does what he says he's going to do. Right? It's shocking everybody. A president who does what he says he's going to do. Let's push him. We have to stand and fight for those who are being persecuted today. The lessons of the Holocaust are returning upon themselves and they're returning now. And it's our job as third and fourth generations as Jews as from Holocaust survivors. It's all of our jobs as the witnesses to the witnesses to stand up and to tell these stories. We're working very hard on the ground to help these Holocaust survivors and to help these uh, victims. Also to help the righteous amongst the nations. As you said, our foundation is From the Depths. Mm-hmm. It's fromthedepths.org. Obviously, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, everything you can imagine. We're yeah. there. And, and this is what we're, we're, we're trying to build this community this grassroots movement to tell these stories and to spread them really wide and for all of us to stand and to become righteous. 
I was going to say then, so if people want to be directly supporting your ministry or to help out with this cause, how can they do that? Super easy. www.fromthedepths.org or you can find us on Facebook. Uh, again, From the Depths. So I think it's facebook.com slash right, yeah. ftdepths. Um, but you can find us. We're, we're, we're available. We're around. You type us on Google, From the Depths Holocaust, whatever it may be. My name, Johnny Daniels. You'll find us. J-O-N-N-Y, by the way. Be careful with that. That's the British spelling. Um, but 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 that's what we do. And, and this is our work. And, and really, this is all of us coming together. And, and we're, we're, we're so thankful, really, to God that we've been given this voice. We were able to, sh to spread this message and share it, right? And bring Jews and Christians together to, to remember this difficult and very not easy past. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your ministry. We really appreciate just hearing it. Uh, and remember, people, you can go to fromthedepths.org if you would like to help out, learn more, whatever you want to do. Uh, but you should support this ministry. So, Johnny, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great just talking with you. I'm glad this came together last minute for the podcast today. My pleasure. Um, would you mind closing us out with a word of prayer? From the Depths comes from the Book of Psalms. Mm -hmm. And in Hebrew, the name of the foundation is Mimamakim. From the depths I cry to you, God. And really, from the depths in the most difficult place, this is where we're coming from and sprouting from. So, thank you. Shalom. Amen. All right. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Johnny Daniels on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us today. Are you ready for the next step in your career? Let Grace College Online bring the classroom to you. Discover flexible, convenient degree programs in business, education, ministry, and more, all grounded in biblical values. Grace College, located in Winona Lake, Indiana, is an evangelical Christian community of higher education, offering graduate and bachelor's degrees designed for you and your busy schedule. Finish in as little as 16 months in an affordable program that includes books in the cost of admission. Get started today at online.grace.edu. That's online.grace.edu or call 1-800-823-8533. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.